Welcome to Black Creative Healing, a space for radical conversation, mindful collaboration, and holistic visioning centering Black communities. I'm Natasha Thomas. And I'm Adenike Webb. We are your co-conspirators, co-facilitators, conversational doulas, and fellow travelers on this journey. Our guest for this episode is Nsamu Munga. Nsamu is a music therapist, a psychotherapist, born and raised in Zambia. Grounded in holistic, anti-oppressive practice, Nsamu works with people exploring health and lifestyle choices, medical complications, human sexualities and gender, spiritualities and religious experiences, psychosocial support, and learning enhancement. I don't think I can adequately sum up for y'all how excited I am for you to hear this collaboration. <laughs> like I just barely kept it together just reading that description. <laughs> it was a great experience. It really, really was. And I want to encourage you all to pay attention to the points where we mention a companion video to this episode, because there is a, a, a video that continues the conversation into the actual art space collaboration that we undergo. Um, another thing that I think is kind of cool about this conversation is it sort of wound around <laughs> in a lot of different ways to the point of us like accurately learning how to pronounce Nsamu's <laughs> name. So um, I actually ended up like in editing, putting that piece of the conversation up at the beginning. So you can hear how we got to actually the correct pronunciation of Nsamu's name. And then you get to hear me butcher it for the rest of the episode <laughs> as we go back in time to prior to the conversation where I didn't actually have it correct. But yeah, I feel like it's just, we, we edited very little of this conversation because yeah, just, it just was all so rich. It's so rich. Yeah. So really, really excited for y'all to enjoy um, that collaboration. But indeed, before we begin, we want to thank our new supporters on Anchor. You may remember last episode, we talked about the new support options we have available. For as little as $1 per month, you can support the administrative costs of this podcast. And anything over $10 a month automatically gets donated to the Black Music Therapy Network to support their mission. That said, a very special thanks to Rose Ritter, Rachel C., and Jennifer Hicks for their subscriptions this month. Another fun fact about subscribing at the $10 level or higher, we send you a little thank you gift. So this month's is a fun coloring sheet but stay tuned for future months where the gifts might change. Yeah. So you can find that uh, information on anchor.fm slash black dash creative dash healing. All right. Into the episode. 
when last did somebody call you by name and you knew that you were known? Mm. That's such an interesting thing. And Zama, when we met, I remember we talked about this briefly, just the act of name, how you pronounce your name, how I pronounce my mm. name. And how, I mean, my name is Nigerian. It's from the Yoruba people. It's not common mm. in Trinidad. It's not common in the United States. Right. So it's mm. it's a name that people don't know what to do <laughs> when they see it. When they see yeah. it. You know, and, and I think about how many times I've answered to things that weren't my name just because it was easy. Right. Like, yeah. you, you said something that was kind of yes. close to it, so I take it. And what does that yes. mean? But when you say, when was the last time you were called by name and felt known? It's mm. like, who are the people in my life that don't just know how to say my name correctly, but know who this Adenike is in relation mm. to that name? When mm. they call Adenike, mm. I come to mind in all of me. Right. That is like, wow. And I, I think too about how names change and shift based on where you are like so for my parents Mm -hmm. coming from a british colony you know everyone calls me natasha and i say my name as natasha but when my parents say it there's a british accent to it and so it's natasha Mm -hmm. and so when i hear yeah when i hear someone call me natasha and like my parents do that feels different to me that i don't call myself that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's this Mm -hmm this wrestling with that yeah. <laughs> mm. of mm. what I call myself mm. versus mm. what makes me feel like home when I hear my name yeah. called. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Like, even, the, even a simple question in spaces, I mean, I, I, I catch myself sometimes as, as a therapist, you know, that I actually have to ask a person's name. And then I might have to say to the person, how do you want me to call you? Mm. yes yeah because i have realized that people have different names and they have preferences yeah there's a name they have that is on the legal document and then there's a name they want to be called it reminds me of my mother my mother was ailing for a while you know Mm. uh, before she passed and um and in those very very frail uh, frail months in the last few months I, I would go to her and she was she was staying with me for a few weeks before she passed mm-hmm. and I would go to her and I would actually sit down and uh, for most of her life my mother would be referred to as Rosemary that was uh, that's her name mm-hmm. and so and I said no I'm not going to call her Rosemary you know because that's again back to what, where the conversation started every everyone in the colony had to have an English name. Mm, uh-huh. That was part, that was part of the process. And, um, yeah. and you were not registered anywhere, anywhere without an English name. And uh, yeah. if you became a Christian, then you had to have a Christian name. Mm. So <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> another thing altogether. And, I, right. and that's why I had to revert to Nsamu because that was part of my return to who I am. Because I just mm. felt foreign with this name that didn't mean anything to me. I had to go back to, to, uh, to a name that is associated with my story, with my people, with yeah. my ancestry, you know? Yes. So anyway, my mother's name was Malala. That was my mother's, my, yeah. my father named her Malala. And I would oh. go to my mother and I would stand there. I would, I would sit on her bed and I would be saying to her, 
Now, Malala, you talk to me. Mm. Oh, <laughs> and she would, she would smile. She'd have this wide smile. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Just, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking of how we have reduced our, our attention, attention to each other. Right. But the language that we use, even to in, refer to each even other. in personal, yeah, even in personal relationships, how often have we just right. reduced ourselves to to baby, you know, baby, hi, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie and I talk about that. How important. Yeah. My and I will talk about that. How important it is sometimes to just say each other's names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how important that is even the other day this was sort of a silly example but it cracked (laughs) me up that my my child was trying to get my attention and kept going mom mama Mm. mommy and I don't know what I was doing I was not paying attention and then all of a sudden I hear my my almost two-year-old yell Natasha (laughs) (laughs) look here Oh my god. <laughs> How funny that she is so aware that that is your name and that's not what you normally need to be called. But when I need to get your attention, yes. you go be Natasha. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it was great. I was like, yep, I'm listening now. I'm listening. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Awesome. Awesome. Calling someone by their name in its truest yeah. form. Mm. Mm. Can you, this might be strange. Can you say your name one more time? Nsamu. Nsamu. Yeah, Nsamu. Nsamu. (laughs) You know, what's striking me about your name, this may be odd to say, but is that my instinct is to arrive at it with an N. (laughs) And the reality is that you kind of have to sink into it. Yes. 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 So you, you actually... If those of us that were classically trained to sing, right, we're taught to you know the, the difference between attacking it yes. and <laughs> allowing and just it. going and just yeah, uh, gracefully taking it up. Uh, as opposed to Nsamu. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking here is. Uh, this is so profound for me. Um, going back there, going back to 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 the inner the inner calling, to the inner voice of what already was, inviting us to what is, to what is emerging. So yes. it 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 was already, and it's emerging in the here and now. It's just paying attention to it. The first thing, the first instinct is to want to protect what is ours. At least we think it is ours. Right, right. Uh, And and, and it is quite dominant, quite dominant in in countries that have visible differences, for for example, in terms Mm -hmm. of even the skin color. It's very clear, whatever the lines might be, that there's us and then there's the others. Yes. There's them versus us. and. Every decision is made on the basis of, is it for us? Is it for them? Mm-hmm. And what is in there for us that we need to protect against them? And look at them. They're coming for us. They're coming ah. for what is ours. Yes. Yeah. You know? And so mm-hmm. this, this was exactly the tool that was used for 
for creating the historical coloniality as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. where, so right. we, we separate we separate the people. There's these and those. And there's those that are on our side and those that we're not anywhere close to even begin to understand. Right. Yeah. And all of it is, is rooted out of fear. You know, like I've been, I've been reading this book and recommending it to everybody. It's called My Grandmother's Hands mm -hmm. um, by Resma Menachem. And it's, um, it's a look at generational trauma as something that resides in our bodies and as something that motivates our instincts as a result in a physical way. And so when I think about that, you know, that fear aspect that got passed down through generations of Europeans torturing and killing each other, and then got extended into this creation of the concept of race as a social hierarchy. And the way that that continues to perpetuate itself to this day, you know, mm -hmm. we recently had um, the shooting that happened in um, Kenosha, um, Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yep. And the the response to that shooting and then the 17-year-old that opened fire and killed two protesters. Right. And already you're seeing people saying he was defending himself and he was defending exactly. the property <laughs> and he was yeah. defending yeah. what? <laughs> it's all exactly. just fear. It's, yeah. it's really something else. Like, it's this whole idea that you deny the humanity in others, mm -hmm. but in the process, you 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 cheapen your own. Oh, you know? yes. Because yes. the whole idea that us and them, when you really come down to it, is ludicrous. It's an illusion it because we are all humans, you know, and yeah. we are all connected. Like this whole like because I. This whole idea that we own anything, that we own the earth, and this mm. amount of resources is for me, and mm. that's for you, and, yes. and it, it has to be this way. It's all arbitrary. And, mm. and for me mm. to look at someone, I can never understand this. How can I look at someone just because they don't have the same shade of skin color, they don't have the same, the same kind of eye color, hair, or whatever, or they believe in a different God? How can I just look at someone Mm. and be like because of that you are less than you are not you are not made of the same stuff as i am right who gets to decide that and it's all i think it's all self-preservation like if you just look at like the history of whiteness whiteness yeah. didn't even exist until no, it didn't until, until there was another exactly it, exactly until, until yeah. there was an encounter with the others Mm -hmm. Right. And this need yeah. to sort of elevate yourself out of fear and a desire for self-preservation. Right. This and this, else. everything now is a reaction to that. Everything we do to try and like protect ourselves <laughs> as mm -hmm. members of the African diaspora now is out of yeah. response to a system we didn't create. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But we are victims of it. We are victims of it and everyone is a victim of it. Um, that's yes thank you and, that's true and and um like any other oppressive system it, it victimizes the perpetrators of the oppression yeah at, at, the, yeah. at the same time it yeah. does oppress those who are on the on the receiving end of the oppression yeah because eventually what happens is that we actually fail at mm. establishing channels of communication with each other and we right. we fail to see each other in the way that we can each self-define and collectively define ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And as that perpetuates, trust gets continually damaged to the point that now we have this absolute mess (laughs) that has to be untangled and is not impossible to untangle, but is very, 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 very difficult. (laughs) I mean, we have to go, we have to go 500 years ago Mm. when, when black people lived on the, uh, on the African continent Mm -hmm. in the African savannah. And they didn't have to think of their existence as anything different from what they were. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't have to define themselves. They, they, had the, they had the environment to live with. They had other relationships that existed in the environment to live with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they didn't have a sense of an other until mm-hmm. there was the first, first encounter with a European. And, and for the first time, they began to feel like they were other. Mm-hmm. And, and it, was in, it, it was in explicit ways, in the ways that the first encounters there, uh, were described to start with, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the first encounters were described as suddenly this, this guy from Portugal is walking uh, along the river or, and suddenly he meets a group of tribals mm-hmm. who, who looked like half man and half devil or something mm-hmm. like that right you know? so right from the very beginning there's this sense that we're meeting some other beings that yes. are not human not even humans yeah not even humans you know so it it begins right from there and and then it was easy it was easy then to trade them they, they were only good mm. they're only good for for the plantations mm-hmm. you know yeah. they're only good for the plantations so we can trade in them you know yeah and, send them to the plantations mm. and let them work uh, day and night and you know so yeah it's it's, it's and, just really something yeah. i'm sorry no i was just thinking yeah. about like if the tables were flipped right if there were a group of of sailors and explorers who left the african continent got to europe and were like we like it here. There are resources mm. here. We yeah. will take this. We will make this this ours, and we will we will like that would not have gone down. They'd be like, how that would not have gone over like that, you know? They'd be like, no. how dare you come in? It's so so I just don't get how somebody could walk into somebody else's space and be like, not yours, mine, mine. Yep. You now do what I say, like right? Like there's a friend of mine recently went on a trip to Ireland and she described this chapel that she went to and the art that was in this chapel and how um, the art dated back hundreds of years, you know, 700 years or more. And the tour guide was describing a piece in the corner that showed um, inscriptions or like carvings or a drawing or something that featured corn which is only grown at that time was only found in North America. Right. And so they said somebody 700 more or more years ago traveled explored encountered corn thought Mm -hmm. that's pretty and then just came back and inscribed it on a wall can you imagine what the world would look like if europeans had just done that (laughs) just go say that's pretty and go create some art somewhere rather than terrorize the people they encountered what would the world look like yeah yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, they yeah. didn't just the, the, the trouble with with colonialism is that mm-hmm. it, it it didn't they didn't just take the land they didn't just right. possess the land right right they possessed the people 
They yeah. own mm-hmm. their people. So yeah. black people on the African continent to start with became property yeah. of the colonizers. And, yeah. and um, whether, whether it was black people on the continent and those that were, un, uh, call it unfortunately, sold into slavery, elsewhere whichever yeah. way yeah elsewhere whichever way the were property of the colonizers and, mm-hmm. and it's it's quite difficult to even begin to fathom the the impact that has had on many many generations after so many uh, and the breach on the psyche and the self-definition of the people and you were talking earlier about historical trauma there's mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I have a problematic relationship with Christianity myself. Right, um, right. And I, don't, and I don't apologize for that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I have no apology to make for that mm-hmm. because, uh, because I just came to learn how Christianity was used as a pacifier in, right. in, in, in the whole civilization mission Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it was it was exactly part of the colonial project. Mm-hmm. It was you know, so colonize the people first of all. They sent the so-called missionaries, as it were, and they pacified the people. Uh, first, they divided the people; those that were, again, like we were saying earlier, those that were on the side of the missionaries, they saved, and those right. that were heathens, you know, those right. that were not saved. Yes. So you go to Sunday to Sunday service. You come back with uh, with a, a jacket or a shirt, and you looked different from the others. Yes, yes. Uh, so just a, a shirt that you got from the Sunday service that came in a second hand from elsewhere mm-hmm. put you in 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 a different light yeah. from the others, and and yeah. so there's this beginning within the community yes. of the saved versus the heathens. And right. Mm-hmm. It all runs down through yeah and and if you don't pray in the same way that the white um, missionaries pray uh, you are a pagan you are mm-hmm. you are a heathen you are evil so you mm-hmm. right. pray this way. So yeah I I've got just that I mean Christianity does not represent universal um, spirituality for me anymore. No. Uh, no. Uh, and it, it took me a long time to come to that point yeah. where I actually begin, uh, I began to realize that there was, there was a huge difference between spirituality mm-hmm. and, and the thing called Christianity, which in itself is embedded in white supremacy mm. uh, and, and white culture. You know, yeah. so uh, yeah, it's <laughs> that's, that's no, it's, just, no, it's, it's I, honestly I, I, it comes up a lot, like yeah. in these conversations. Because I read something recently that was like, you know, there were early Christians in Ethiopia, I believe, like you know, mm-hmm. who would have had like di- some kind of direct contact with the yeah. first Christians, mm-hmm. but when Christianity became part and parcel of the Roman Empire. I think perhaps that's when the whole when things went how <laughs> we get involved in power mm-hmm. and white supremacy, and it's just been it's just been like tainted, and mm-hmm. and it's interesting too because um I think about how even like in but in, in American music therapy there um there are a lot of people who who shy away from talking about spiritual issues and there are in a lot of people sense. 
Yeah. And there are a lot of people who bring their faith into it. And predominantly that faith is Christianity. So mm -hmm. it really is something to kind of question like, what does that mean? And then what does that mean for the clients that we serve? And, right. and, and it's, um, it's really interesting. There's like, I, I kind of see what you're saying in Samu, cause I myself wrestle with some of those things. Like I, I remember taking a, in my PhD um, classes, I took an elective that was foundation of African religions. Mm. I mean, we surveyed different regions of Africa. And when we spoke about comparative religions in Southern Africa, the notion was the colonizers came around the time that in Europe, they had made this declaration about what is an animal and what, what, are, the, what are the rights of an animal? So mm. animals could not think, they could mm. not, um, they didn't have reason and they, they could not engage, like they could not have religion. And therefore they didn't have these abilities to engage with the world as a, as a human. So they couldn't have rights. So when the colonizers got to the to Southern Africa, they see the people there and they decide, well, you know, you don't have religion like ours. You don't reason like we do. Therefore, you must be animal. And if you're animal, yes. you have no right to the land. Mm. Therefore, we take the land, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, there's so many other interesting things, but I, I keep thinking back. And it's interesting because I grew up in Trinidad predominantly people of color in power, you know, whether we were of Indian descent or, or African descent. Yeah. And I went to a high school that was a church high school. So that it was part of the Anglican church. Mm. We had chapel once a month for each grade. So like first form will go this day, second form that day. But in the chapel was a beautiful mosaic on the wall of a black Jesus with an Afro in a dashiki. Mm. I took it as normal. To me, mm. Jesus looked like the Indian priest who was at my church. God mm. looked like the mm. black bishop who would mm. come to our church. It wasn't until I came to the U.S. when right. it, it just kind of flipped the script. Like, hold up, God, God is only white. Like, yeah. <laughs> Christianity yeah. is this white yeah. thing. Like, mm. it really is something else. It's something mm. else, and mm. and it's yeah. something that I, you know, I didn't realize how much I took that image for granted. Mm -hmm. until I lived here and like the power behind that image. And I posted on Facebook uh, a few months ago about it, where I said, you know, if you're talking about being made in a creator's image, then it would stand to reason I could look like that creator. Yeah. And that yeah. gave me the reason to feel like, okay, I have the creator looks like me. I look like the creator. We could, we connected I'm, I'm valued or valuable. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. in this country, that message doesn't always get, put across and you know it's like wow yeah something else mm. and then you have all this unlearning to do you know yeah. like, which I think is part of what you were saying too Nusamu like I've had friends because I've been in this sort of sojourn of my own through mm. the Christianity that I was raised in and mm. sort of turning around and going okay but what was on you know my family is from an island called St. Vincent and so what was on St. Vincent before Christianity mm. what were the yeah. African slaves bringing with them and so I've been yeah. trying to put it back together mm -hmm. for myself mm. but in doing that some friends and I have talked about how there's so much to unlearn just even in terms of your perception mm -hmm. of God and Jesus and having to yeah. dissect it from the sort of Abrahamic you know, mm. Christian mm. perception of God and changing that into 
these other ways of viewing God and how those can Mm. be just as valid. And you can look at those people, those figures in Christianity Mm. and just Mm. see them completely differently. That that's still possible, but it's hard to divorce it from what Christianity is harder. Exactly. And that's a harder conversation to have. Right. Uh, Actually, um, uh, may I dare say, it is a harder conversation to have than racism. Ooh. Um, uh, <laughs> yes. Because yeah, it is much, much harder. And yet, when you go deep in it, you actually mm. find that it's um, it's it's that it's the Christianity that holds the racism. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and not until we deconstruct Christianity on mm. its own. We haven't even started to deal with racism as it that's, presents. That's really you know, something. It's, it's almost impossible. The, uh, mm. One of the difficulties with, with the Christian, this, uh, Christianity discussion is, is often bordered on if I disagree in principle on certain standings of, of, of Christianity, I'm almost brandished as as an unbeliever and that carries its own right uh, it, it it carries its it, its own what's the I, word it, it, car- it carries its own level yeah. and a certain dismissiveness yes that uh, i can easily be dismissed right and and i'm not allowed in the conversation to start with because right because oh, how do i have a conversation with with an unbeliever and and then bring in yeah bring in evangelicalism then then you have the whole thing um that's what yeah. i was just gonna say yeah i think that's part of the conversation too because if your belief is that you have to go out in the world and make new disciples then you believe that that must be what everyone else is doing too so if someone comes to you and says oh no i don't believe what you believe there's this instant threat of oh they're going to try and make me a disciple of them and that's not yeah i don't need disciples <laughs> We don't, exactly. <laughs> what if the person doesn't believe in discipling? Like it's yeah. it's something yeah. else. Yeah. So that's part of the and reason that's why. why yeah. yeah, and that's why in that space it becomes difficult to, to actually deal with racism as it presents in institutions. Yeah. Because I've had these conversations with with people that would tell me, "Well, I cannot be a racist because I'm a Christian." Mm. Uh, (laughs) except y'all were probably the original racists so how you gonna reconcile that (laughs) exactly how do you reconcile that you know how do you reconcile that yeah Um, oftentimes um, yeah the trouble uh, the the trouble i have with with christianity for me is that it, it gets contorted with the whole idea of of god as this mono monotheistic mm-hmm. yep. and uh, and this all-powerful god yes. that is there to punish us if we if we go wayward and, right. I, and i'm thinking first of all one has to deal with the trauma of believing in a god like that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and heal that trauma and find it within myself to forgive myself and say well maybe there's another way of of experiencing wow. the deities. And these deities may not be, as you said, Natasha, mm. um, they, they may not be Abrahamic at all. Mm. And that's the beginning yeah. point because we, the moment we steep our beliefs and our 
faith in Abrahamic religions, we, we're already dealing with culture, a culture mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. foreign. That's foreign. Um, yeah. That is foreign, foreign from us. And, and yeah. for us in Africa, for me, because I'm from Southern Africa, I, I know these things very, very well because yeah. uh, I'm just the second, second generation from independence in Zambia. And, um, and, and I know that my parents, first of all, were not citizens of Zambia. Mm. First of all, it was southern. It was southern Rhodesia before mm. it became Zambia in 1964. Mm-hmm. And so, how did that show itself? They were they were not considered citizens because they were not white. Because right, then, yeah. southern Rhodesia was a white people's colony. Yes. it was a British colony, mm-hmm. and so to there was no way a black person could be a citizen of of the uk as it were you know? right so even even right. In, the, in the country there, there there were different laws there there, there yeah. were british laws yes there was, there was the british law and then there was the native law mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so you already were raised up in this duality of yes, multiple realities existing yes, at the same time yes, Already yes. that cracks all of Already. that monotheistic thinking wide open. Exactly, mm. exactly. And, and so on, wow. one hand, on one hand, we've got the, the, the political system and then we've got the religious system that tells you that you cannot worship that way mm-hmm. because worshiping that way is evil. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot worship. Black people must repent. Every black person must re- repent. Stop going to the shrines. Yeah. Stop believing. We call it worshiping ancestors. Stop worshiping ancestors. Right. Yeah. But, but that's not our concept. It was no. never our concept. We didn't no. think about it as worshiping ancestors. We evoked our ancestors because we believed in the land and how and, and whole, the whole ecological system that yes. impacted our everyday living. We didn't believe yes. in a, an elsewhere God. Yes. Yeah. Everything is here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everyone exactly. is present. God is yes. present all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so. Wow. Here, here we are. To colonize a people, the first thing that I I believe that myself, to colonize a people, the first thing you do is destroy their deities, mm. kill their gods. Take their gods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because and honestly, they turn to, who, and you, you give the date, you believe the deity is a source of power, a source right. of protection. If you destroy right. that, right. who do you yeah. turn to? Yes. Like I'm exactly. thinking of, of Diovanni, our, our guest from episode two, talking about how important it is then to realize that the caribbean afro-diasporic religions that were created are miracles Mm -hmm. that the africans were able to take those with them and reassemble them in the quote-unquote new world like i think about when the haitian revolution happened how much of a symbol it was for a not only for vodou to be part of the spark of the revolution but b the fact that vodou now has integrated catholic and christian prayers in a way that almost says we kicked you out and we Mm. took your god from you (laughs) and it is ours now (laughs) that's so powerful yeah Mm. yeah and i mean i being raised Catholic myself, yeah. uh, 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 sitting sitting in this space where suddenly, about 20 years ago mm. or thereabout, yeah. the Catholic Church in Africa is awakening to the 
the so-called um oh, what, what was the word again um inculturation project inculturation yeah. oh inculturation my project and suddenly we're coming back to the people and saying oh let's go back there let's go back to the shrines right. in the way that you worshiped and because now they're realizing the saints ex- are exactly, exactly that <laughs> exactly so let's incorporate your own cultural worship styles into the catholic liturgy. and you're thinking we never left <laughs> we <laughs> never <laughs> left <laughs> welcome back <laughs> i guess <laughs> uh, but isn't it interesting like and i'm loving this conversation we're having but this whole idea of multiple realities versus a dichotomous like one that believes in dichotomies Mm -hmm. you know like the western european world it's it's either x or y you know there's no in between it's cut and dry either or and in so many places beyond that it's like there's lots of space between x and y those don't have to be the only thing like i'm just thinking about um like i'm thinking even in trinidad for example like when you were talking about political law in Zambia and you weren't, you weren't citizens, your parents weren't citizens of Zambia mm. and, and like the multiple realities there. So Trinidad was a Spanish colony mm. inhabited by French settlers because mm. other islands during like the late 18th century, when there was a lot of uprising in some of the French islands, they petitioned the King of Spain to come to Trinidad. And if they were good Catholics and had money, they could come. So then wow. French became like the de facto language, even though it's Spanish laws. And then the English came in like 1789, somewhere around there, and, be, and captured, so to speak, mm-hmm. the island. So you had English law, Spanish place names, French language, right? <laughs> and then after, after emancipation, they brought in people from India as indentured laborers mm-hmm. to work on the plantation. So now you have people bringing in Islam, people bringing in Hinduism. And I think about like, like in Tr- not to say Trinidad is a, is a paradise because it has a lot of its own issues. Yeah. But I think about like the flexibility that exists there, that there could be multiple ways of doing, although there still is some hegemony. So like this, the state is still officially, has like an official Anglican religion and that they will right. go to a, a, the Anglican cathedral for stuff. But we acknowledge major Hindu holidays. That's a public holiday. Diwali is a holiday. Yeah, Eid, yeah. Eid al is a holiday. Yeah. Uh, Christmas uh, and um, Easter are holidays. Indian yeah. Arrival Day is a holiday. First Nations People Day is a holiday. I think there's a long weekend every month in Trinidad, mm. more or less. But, <laughs> but the fact remains that there's this, it's interesting. I mean, it, that they're in this little corner of the new world, you can find a way to hold multiple spaces. Like I, I went to a church school so it was Christian, but yeah, yeah. it was open to anybody. I had friends in my class who were Hindu and Muslim, and it was no big deal. If, if when we had assembly, they didn't want to participate, they were excused. There was no like, you must conform. So there was a sense that there is space to have these different things. I don't have to force you. You don't have to force me. You could come eat polori and roti on my, when we celebrate Diwali. And you could come eat a pillow at my house and have ham and turkey when we have Christmas. Like, you know, it's interesting that these moments where you can have multiple realities, multiple expressions present. But in some places that is forced out, it's seen as threatening. Yeah. Like it cannot exist. Like it must be one way. Otherwise, 
everything falls apart. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and... Yeah. I find often in intro to music therapy, when I teach my intro to music therapy course, one of the first things that I do is to try and bust open the myth of universality just across the board and say, uh-huh. you cannot assume that your understanding of music is universal, just as you cannot assume that your understanding of anything is universal. So I tell students, like, even so just take good. the the quote-unquote golden rule of treat people how you want to be treated. Break that open. Mm. Treat people how they want to be treated Mm, mm -hmm. and see how that changes things. Because a lot of times the way that people treat other people is based on an assumption of what they would be comfortable with accepting themselves. And you cannot Mm. assume Mm. that that is going to be true Mm. for that person. (laughs) So even just, we have to spend a whole semester just on that. That's awesome. Like, it yeah. made me it made me think of something. So when I was an undergrad, and this is probably like when I was a junior, yeah. we had this one class called like Influence of Music on Behavior. Sure. And when we ran into time, when we ran into when we had more time, I can't talk today. <laughs> when we had extra time, um yeah. the instructor would raise a question and just kind of see where people stand. And I'll never forget when he rose the question. Is music the universal language? Dun, dun, and everybody's dun. like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And I was the only one who went like, no. Mm. And they're like, how could you? Mm. Like, music is not a universal mm. language. And, really? and it, it, mm. it, 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 you know, like, like, there's so many different ways to experience music and understand music. Like, it's not the same thing everywhere. But, right. but, but a lot of people, like you say, we, they come into, especially into music therapy with this idea that, well, we all love music and music is, is this, this is our definition of music that everybody shares. And yeah, it's, everybody's going to love music and love music therapy. So it's not that simple, right? Like there was a study I even showed, like this came in as a part of a conversation on how to critically dissect research that there was a study that was put out that, um, pop culture was branding as proof that music was a universal language. But when you really looked at what the study was saying is it was saying that people in different cultures were generally able to identify whether a piece of music was intended to be happy, sad, or something else. And so I framed it to the students. I said, if I can understand whether or not the person yelling in Chinese across the room is angry, does that mean I understand what has been said? (laughs) No, it does not. No. Mm -hmm. No. That doesn't mean that the language is universal. (laughs) The mm-hmm. construct exactly. maybe, exactly. but the language is not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that, that's exactly what comes into the whole discourse around music and music in therapy. Yes. You know, how how do I work with music and whose music do I actually bring right. into right? Yeah, yeah, because people start music? to panic and because people don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Yeah, people start to panic, and also. Just the word itself, music, what does it actually mean? Where does it actually come from? Right. Because in some spaces, there may not be words that are equivalent. For example, in Ban- in the Bantu languages, mm. there is no word that is equivalent to music. Hmm. So when we're talking about music, we are not talking about music as you uh, or somebody else might understand it. Because um, Adenike would, would bear me witness on this i've spoken about this in, yes. in other spaces where music m- music for me is is a combination of many things 
Hmm. It's it's dance, it's costume, it's it's masks, it's movement, it's it's worship, it's mm. it's many things at the same time, and and it's always always defined by events. It's defined by setting. It's defined by the clusters, by clusterations in terms of who is around yes. and who is doing what. So music is not is not one thing. It's, music is not a, is not organized sounds and silences. Mm. And you know, there you so, get it. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 you know uh, that's and so when I'm doing music therapy, what exactly am I doing? Uh-huh. What, what what am I doing? Right. You know, when I, when I, when I get a piece of Mozart and I play that piece of Mozart in in the room and I, I and I do GIM or whatever it is that I call yeah guided and, imagery and what exactly am I doing by what you just said in some in the way you were describing music how you understand music right and the the multiple realities of it like all these things that make up like how much an artifact of a culture represents the culture because you were saying earlier in your reference to to spirituality that you know there are these multiple Mm. realities so how and 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 i love that you said music is very much defined by place who where Mm. you are and what's happening is there because isn't that like our culture our Mm. culture and i think about the ways people connect to place and to land and how that can be so defining, maybe more so in cultures that we want to classify as indigenous to a certain region or Mm. something, Mm. not as much cultures that we would say are westernized, but Mm. that that sense Mm. of place giving context to being and music as a form of, because I think of it as music as a form of being, the way you just described it. It is a form of being. It is a form of being. It's, Music itself is, I don't even know how to define it. You mm. know, I don't have a word for it, but it's, um, right. it's, it's a coming together in, in being. It's a coming together in, in uh, probably some form of Im- ritualization of yes. the embodiment of everything yes. that exists. Yes. Mm. It's, the, it's the ritualization of the embodiment of everything that yes. makes a person a person yes you yes. know in that act in that act of music making we have everything that ever was concentrated mm. in it yes that no. is what we are doing that, that is, that is what's so doing. powerful because now yeah. when you talk about music therapy with that right. understanding of music now what are we doing how are we engaging music and people in music like if that is music if music i love it if music is the ritualization of the embodiment of all Mm. that we are in that moment that time happened yes then how can we the question comes up how do we use music as a tool right to accomplish something right absolutely it sounds like it's divorced from something in that case the challenge of the origin of the field is that we divorced Mm. it from all Mm. of these other modalities that were originally part of it absolutely we separated it to start with and then we said there's music therapy and then there's dance therapy and then there's art therapy and then there's movement therapy 
and they're mm. all different. <laughs> and they're all different. <laughs> Not connected in any way whatsoever. <laughs> Lies. Like really? Lies. Like really? <laughs> I just, I, I'm really? still sh- resonating with your description of music. Like that, yeah. such a holistic, like <sighs> integral way of thinking of music yeah like it, it it makes it so where music is not a hobby mm. music is not an accessory music is not no. an auxiliary thing no music is integral to our humanity in that description yes absolutely absolutely and that's why and that's why that's why we sing when we are sad we sing and mm-hmm. dance our sadness wait Right. We, that's why we enter into deep grief in those moments of loss and yes. bereavement and yes. through music and dance. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about a group of people here that spend nights, days and nights singing and dancing. Mm. Right. They're moving from, from house to house. If there's a bereavement in the family and they're yeah. moving in these homesteads, there's five, mm. six, seven huts in the homestead and they're moving from place to place doing a, almost like a narrative telling mm-hmm. the story of the person who has died in mm-hmm. ritual in dance in movement in song and they're moving from house to house this yes. is where this person did a b c d you know and this it's it's all movement and dance. Um, and people would say, oh, but why is it that they're dancing when there's a death? Yes. Right. That's mm. how we live our grief through. Mm-hmm. That's how we live our grief through. We, we're not avoiding the grief. We're embodying the grief, making it come alive in our movement, in our right. in the sounds that we make. Yes. You know? Like I, I think about, I used mm-hmm. to live in New Orleans um, for a period of time. And I think about the traditions in New Orleans of the second line mm-hmm. of this parade mm-hmm. that processes from the church to the place of burial or just to the house mm-hmm. of the family mm-hmm. and how African that is. <laughs> and that doesn't mm-hmm. happen anywhere else in the U.S. really. Like New Orleans mm-hmm. kept that. <laughs> and, you know, just mm-hmm. dancing and singing and shouting and all of that, how African that is. I, and I was thinking of um, the nine night celebration in Jamaica. Oh yeah. Um, so it's very similar. They don't go from house to house, but you'll go to the house of the family of the deceased for nine nights after the death. Mm. And there's singing, there's dancing, there's eating, there's drinking, there's card games. There's mem- You know, I don't think people do it as much as, or as, you know, as, as intensely as I did before, but I mm. remember learning some Jamaican folk songs that you sang at nine nights, you know, mm. and and I didn't realize how much of an African, ex, you know, an African tradition that is. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And tying back to that conversation of what a miracle that is yes. that those traditions survived. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and again, bringing that back, that it's, a, it's an embodiment of everything that is in that moment. You know, and that moment stands on its own. It, it is on its own. It, whether it's the grief that I'm living through, uh, mm. whether it's the joy at a wedding that I'm living through, the, yes. the hope, the hope that I'm living through, you know, yes. there's, there's a, a particular movement and, 
uh, and the nuance is in the movement, not so mm. much in the not so much in the lyrics of the music. Right. You know, so it's in the movement of the people. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. there are certain patterns. The and yeah, it's a wonderful experience for me. Uh, and and I, talking about unlearning and relearning. Yes. Because I'm in that process of unlearning all the nonsense that I picked up from. Mm-hmm. Uh, from all the uh, colonial the education, canon. yeah, the Western canon and and and, and the missionaryism—I call it missionaryism. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of unlearning of that and relearning what it actually means to live in my own body to start with. Ooh. Yep, you know, and to yep. really embrace my own body yes. and the way it shows itself to the world yes. and bring all these things that I up to now had separated from mm. who I am. Right. Mm. Right. You know? Right. It, it's for me it's it's a visceral thing. It is, yeah. yes. You yeah. Know? It, yeah. It, it's 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 really about coming home to who I am. Coming wow. home to yes. to the to to the dancing me, you know, the loud me. Mm. The the, the the lion roar bringing the lion roar into my voice mm-hmm. yes and, yeah. and that roar sound of the african savanna as well you know yes wow um yeah okay. yeah i feel like that leads perfectly into the question of who is nasamu <laughs> And I'm honestly wondering, like, this conversation just feels like it is so, there's something that's so magical about how we started with this, like, wide view of what's going on in the world. And now we're just, like, converging, 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 converging to now, who are you? (laughs) You Yeah, and and I I like it that way because that's, for me, it's a bit more authentic. Otherwise, Otherwise, it's all these heady definitions of uh, uh, all these rehearsed definitions of who i am right. uh, uh no that's, uh-huh. that's not who i am yes uh, who who i am is is this person that wakes up every morning wanting to feel my own body wanting to 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 smell my own perspiration <laughs> uh, <laughs> and know that it's yours you know it's mine uh-huh. I, I want to get out there and and feel feel like I'm alive, you know. Mm. I'm I'm alive to my own sound, to my own beat, mm. and, and and that it's okay to be in my own beat, you know. Yes. I, I, actually, the the truth is that I've I've had um, irregular pulse since I was a child. Mm. You know, at some point I was actually diagnosed as as having irregular pulse. I was on medication when I eventually I was told. Well, this is your normal. This is it. You know, and, and symbolically, that's all, it's okay to to have an irregular pulse. Yeah. In 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 a word that tells you that there's an even pulse. You know, musically mm-hmm. we talk about an, an, right. an even pulse. And there you go. You can join in my. No, I I want to go. That's what I want to do. That's you. Yeah, yeah that's me. Uh, and I get so excited now having to bring this conversation into music therapy because, believe me, even in South Africa, it, it's um, it's 
not usual to begin to think about music therapy in this way because of the things that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. The convolution, yeah. the convolution of uh, Christianity and all these things coming in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I go, if I go to, if I go to a sangoma, for example, and we are playing music, we are dancing all night. Some fellows will, oh, 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 oh we, we, we can't really do that as music therapy. Mm. Right. You know, we can't be doing that's that. I, that's what I want. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. that's what I want to do. I want to go there. I, I, I want to go beyond the thinking mind into into the body that moves and dances for twenty four, forty eight hours nonstop. Mm. Yes. 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 You know, without <laughs> having to think about oh. What was that rhythm about? Where did that rhythm come from? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, oh, uh, lyric analysis. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, that has a place. But I don't want the, that some all the time. I don't mm-hmm. want that mm-hmm. all the time. Right, right. Yes. I just want to stay in my body. Mm. Yes. Yes. I just want to stay in my body and be okay with my body. Be, and be, be in okay. the presence of other people being okay in their bodies. Okay in their bodies. <laughs> yes. You know? And, yes. and, and if, I, if, I, if I go to, um, to a performance, whatever performance it is, mm. and I hope in, in future, it's unfortunate that you didn't actually get the chance to come to the Congress here. Right. Yeah. Congress. In South Africa. You would have had an opportunity, and not just in South Africa, but to go to other countries in the region, and you get to actually see fellows. Now, I'm, uh, I don't know if I can, uh, if I can share... You should um, be able to, yeah, and then we can um, describe it or maybe put it somewhere for listeners to find. Yeah, let me just see if I can share a little piece of me when I was actually immersing myself in this uh, ritual. Let me see yes. if I can find it. You know, it makes me, as as Insan was talking about being fully in his body mm-hmm. and what all that means and living freely in the body and with other people who are okay with being in their bodies. I am just powerfully struck in light of what's been happening in the U S how much black bodies are feared, how much black bodies aren't allowed to be bodies, aren't allowed to be fully freely embodied experiences you know right and i feel like whatever we create because that's always part two of our collaboration we have this conversation Mm. and then we create something together i Mm. i envision whatever we create being something that is fully embodied embodied. yeah Mm. and how do we embody and interact with each other's embodied selves across distance Mm. yeah yeah because it is possible it can absolutely be done (laughs) it is Yeah. yeah I mean, we did it at I World mean, Congress. Uh, I mean, even virtually, we did it at World Congress. We made sound together yeah. and movement yeah. together. Mm. It can mm. be done. And I mean, we... <laughs> uh, the, just the thought that for a long time we were told that uh, dancing was evil. Right. You know? and that so, alone. That alone. And then going, going into church, we were told... You could only sway, and then uh, it's 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 crazy. So insidious. So insidious. So let me just show you this piece here. Yes, please. 
Um, so this this was me doing my research and going back into into my uh, my people's music and musical healing rituals. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So there's sort of a circle of people, some sitting, some standing. There's live drumming happening, and there's two main folks really dancing in the center of this circle. And there's one person in front of the drummers on their hands and knees, moving and weight on rolling, and moving to the center. Yeah, the energy of the people that are in the center of the circle is really high. You know, the, the two dancers and the person rolling on the ground. And everyone else is sort of seated around, like, this is par for the chorus. This is standard. And there are children there. I mean, generationally, it's very mixed. Yeah, and sort of as it draws to a close, you can see the person on the floor start to get up a little bit. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, and the video... And the dancers can... slow down, almost yeah. like they're out of breath. Yes, yeah. which I would be. <laughs> but yeah, so it sort of transitions from there. Um, but that's essentially what's happening. It seems like everyone was just sort of free-flowing in and out of the space. You had all of these elements involved, you know, you had the earth and you had the water and just Uh everybody was just fully inhabiting Mm. Mm. that space. Mm. I was really struck by the person with the red shirt on the ground. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like something momentous was happening for that person. Right, like, right. Like mm. some deep connection to something bigger than themselves, you know? Yep. Right. Yep. And that that space, that experience they were having was held by the group. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And it, it was a sense like there was nothing odd, nothing mm. strange about right. everybody. Like it wasn't choreographed. It didn't need to no. be. You know, so whatever happened was fine. It wasn't strange. It wasn't unwelcome. It just had this sense of like, it is. People are just being, and we are here to just be. I really liked that. Yeah. And and this is where the whole ecological approach to music for me comes in. Uh, When we remove the music, when we remove music from its ecological environment, from its its own ecology. Right. Then it, it... it takes on a whole different life altogether. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if somebody takes that particular performance, I don't even want to call it a performance, that right. particular ritual, if somebody yeah. takes that particular ritual and places it in some other place, mm-hmm. it loses it loses its vitality. It does. You yeah, know? It does. And, um, and that's why it's important to hold it as, as sacred in its own place, yeah. in its own time. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'll tell you a little bit of what happened that particular day. We spent we spent hours and hours, and then <laughs> I at the end of the day, I I, I went I, I went back to it was late in the evening, and, and I took ill. Mm. You know, I actually took ill, and so I was supposed to go back the following day. I couldn't go back because I was ill, and and the word came back to me that. I was, 
I was ill because I did not allow myself to get fully involved. Because you were busy spirits. recording. Yes, yes. Oh. To allow to allow my spirit to 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 come alive. Right. You know? So that's what right. I thought. Uh, and mm. that, and also that that was somehow the spirit of the, the healing spirit that was speaking to me that I needed to go through that ritual myself, right? Uh, to access the to fully spirit. embody it. Yeah. So I was like, wow, mm. that, that that, and I, I'm still holding that as an invitation to go yeah. back, and, yeah. and I will go back and do that initiation myself, mm-hmm. yeah. because I'm not just a music therapist, I am a healer, mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. You yes. Know, and music therapy is what I do, yeah, you know? so yeah. Uh, uh, for me that's important, it's important for me to, to inhabit that space of a healer, mm-hmm. And yeah. everything else comes out of that, you know. So in another clip, then you get actually to see me taking the center stage. Yes. The, the, there's a particular performance uh, among my people that um, it's, we call it Ijigambegambe. It's a particular kind of, uh, of performance. Ijigambegambe is, is meant to more like concentrate energy on a on one person so everyone else around just concentrate their concentrate their energy on one person mm-hmm. so the person in the middle picks a song they call the song and then everyone else joins in in support mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then in the middle you just dance and usually these are songs that are affirmative they literally the song is to affirm myself yes you know, and so uh, uh, yeah. I would start a song. I would start a song. Uh, in that particular case, I started the song. And everyone joins in, and I, 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 I'm the person in the middle, and I just dance, and they, and it comes into a crescendo, it gets louder and louder each time until it comes to a sudden stop, and mm. then somebody else comes in, you mm. know. So, and again, it's it's different kind of call them performances yeah. for a particular setting and it has a particular function. On another day, I might be sitting on my own and uh, my mother might be singing a song for me. She knows that I'm hearing it. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it's, a, it's a song that somebody else sings in praise of another person. Hmm. You know, so, and usually this happens in, in spaces that you don't expect. Mm-hmm, you know, right. Somebody singing praises of you and you just kind of overhearing this. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. So yeah, in uh, essence, that's 
um, for me, that's what music does to me. It, it, it's, it's so significant at a personal level that when I came into music therapy, I, I just didn't want to share the music. I wanted to share the space mm. where the music can happen. Mm. Yes, that, so, that, uh, share yeah. the space where the music can happen. That yeah. has become, like, that's been part of my, like, return to myself or attempt to piece mm-hmm. back the di- the parts of myself and my history that have been diasporatized is to create the space for music mm-hmm. to happen. And that's becoming, I think, my role or the way that I'm choosing to re- um, conceptualize my role as a music therapist that my job is Mm -hmm. to cultivate and hold the space for music to happen Mm -hmm. i do not necessarily Mm -hmm. have to wield it Uh Uh uh-huh i am creating space for it (laughs) oh my gosh that's so funny because i've often talked about as a music therapist i get to create an environment Mm -hmm. or help facilitate an environment where people can experience themselves and others and I, i get to involve music in that Yes, but, it's yes. a, but I think of it, it's so, I didn't think of the space aspect as really, right. it is a holding of the space, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but that, but also I was one, I'm just getting chills listening to everything we're talking about and the mute and the, the, the singing, the seeing the dancing. But the other thing, Nsamu, as you were talking about the songs you would sing in the center and then the songs that your mother might sing to you, how much we become ourselves in community how yes. much we are contextualized mm. by community and that sense of being mm. affirmed by community mm. that people will mm. sing your praise without you being there mm. affirming your existence you know yeah. in community like that is so yeah. beautiful and powerful that you you exist in this community whether you're physically present or not hence the ancestors right like whether they're yes. physically present or not yes. they are still parts of this community yes. Yes. and you connect yes. with them across time across, across time wow yeah yes 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 yes, yes. yes. yep oh and it, it is uh, and now that you mentioned that it's something that I, i'm i'm wanting to try out Mm-hmm. Um, to sing my clients in, ah. you know, uh, to sing my clients into acknowledgement, into uh, or to sing praises for my mm-hmm. clients, mm-hmm. even before I meet them. Ah. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. Can we sing like honestly? Like, could we yeah. sing praises of each other? Mm. Just based on what we know of each other, wow. yeah. As our collaboration, yes. Oh my gosh! And how yeah. do how do we want to do it? Do we want to do it in an immediate sense? That's like come up with it and let's do it right now, or is it a go prepare and we'll meet again and share for each other, or is we, it some can, variation on that? We we can actually we, we can actually make it. A whole meeting around this. Yes. Um, a whole meeting around being intentional about singing uh, another's praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we don't we don't have that enough in the world. We don't. No. We don't. No. The world. Oh. The funny thing is that the world has become in 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 one sense, it has become one. At the same time, in that oneness, 
we've, we've become so anonymous. Mm, right. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Uh. You know, it's like being in a crowd and nobody really knows you. Yes. Yeah. And that's, uh-huh. uh, and for me, there's something there that increasingly becoming uncomfortable. So right. we've, got social, we've got social media and everyone feels like we know everyone. We are in this crowd, but right. nobody really knows me. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And, and so people when, need to feel that. People need to feel affirmed yes. in their individuality, even if we are part of a broader collective. Yeah. And when the community does that for you. Yes. Ooh. Yes. The community comes and centers on you. Yes. You're no longer anonymous. Yes. No. no. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. You are reminded that you have value that you belong that you Mm. are you are important to this community you know yes and so because of that i'm able to uh, i'm able to access even when i'm not in my community i'm able to access the the power of my community in my Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. no matter how far i am Mm -hmm. Uh, and sometimes um, <laughs> sometimes I'm able to access my mother's yes, voice, yes. not just not just the actual voice, but my mother's energy, intuition uh-huh. yes. for me. Yes, uh-huh. you know, and I and I feel it in my body. Even mm-hmm. when I was singing, um, <laughs> I feel it. You know, it's yes. just here. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's here. <laughs> And that's how beautiful that is, how strong that is to have your ancestors be something that you view as present, you know, how beautiful that is. Yeah, Mm. like community is not limited to the current makeup of where you are, you know, community in this sense is eternal, it's 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 yes. ongoing it, it expands it and it's always expanding because new generations come you know new yeah. people come and so there's always room for the for people in the community yes and it goes on and it goes on and that's beautiful maybe this is how it every but Dio was talking about survived yeah. when people brought mm. african re, african-based religions into the new world like yeah. they were still connected to community yeah, where Yes. They were. And are. They were not separate. Were and uh, are. Yeah. Yeah. They were not separate. No. Because they carried they carried the 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 spirit of that community within them, in their uh, bones, in their yes. body. Yes. And remember remember the whole thing of the embodiment of everything there is in that ritual. Uh-huh. Right. And that's that's right. not left behind when 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 you move. Uh-huh. Right. That doesn't go away. It, Energy does not die. It gets transformed. Yeah. It gets transformed. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And, 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 and the death of that is, is what trauma is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sense of disconnection from what is. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very much so. Wow. And that's exactly what trauma is. Trauma is is the disconnection, is the separation from somebody's reality. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I've told my students this before too, you know, that that can happen retroactively. Like you can mm. think, you can think that you have it, that everything that you have is what is. And then you can find out that something was missing or that something was kept yeah. from you or taken from you. Yes. And now that trust has been broken retroactively. Mm-hmm. That is trauma yes. <laughs> too. Yes. You know, yes. all of it, all of it. Yes. And, and that's why, and that's why healing Healing is not just the healing of cognitive memories. Mm-hmm. Healing is also a healing of ritual memories. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Of and memories that are why, in our bodies. <laughs> exactly. Memories that are in our bodies, memories that are in our stories, memories that mm. are in our rituals, mm-hmm. memories that are in our movements. And so as a music therapist, probably one of the things that I could do is to allow somebody to create their own ritual. Yes, yes, yes. That is the gift of what we can do. Yeah. 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 You know, so. uh, (sighs) Right. Just a deep breath. Oh, my gosh. Can I propose too that if we build this meeting around this of singing to each other, mm-hmm. can we can we plan to record it as not just audio but video too? Because this okay. conversation right now is audio, but I think that there would be something really powerful about having, you know, this the the second part of this, our collaborative part yeah. of this, be a link yeah. in the show notes that takes people to video so they can see us yes. do this yeah. for each other and see the embodiment yes. of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be tremendous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I'm really looking forward to, I mean, I'm grateful for the now and looking forward yeah. to what's coming. Mm-hmm. Wow. The, the honk in the street agrees. <laughs> oh, <Yes. sorry. laughs> I heard that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That was, that was the ancestor saying, yep. Now wrap it yes. up. Yes. Black Creative Healing is a platform dedicated to radical conversation, mindful collaboration, and holistic visioning centering Black communities. Conversations and arts-based collaborations are facilitated by Natasha Thomas and Adeniki Webb and hosted by the Black Music Therapy Network, Incorporated. We wish to extend our thanks to the Black Music Therapy Network for their input and support with the creation and promotion of these episodes. Special thanks to this episode's guest, Nsamo Munga. You can find links to past collaborations as well as current episodes and details on upcoming collaborations by visiting www.blackmtnetwork.org slash black-creative-healing. 